Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the next. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. And the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. That voice you heard was one, Michael Jordan, his heiress himself. That was at the uh, memorial for Kobe Bryant. And you can just hear the the emotion in his voice. And uh, we'll get to a little bit later why I actually played that clip and play a little bit more of it. Because it was very touching. A very emotional moment on a very, very sad occasion. Um, But... Before we go to that, we have to talk about some of the other stuff that's happening in the NBA. So let's get right to it. The Boston Celtics have kind of uh, made me put my foot in my mouth here. Now, you already know, I'm really big on the Mia Culpa thing. Um, when I when I went in on Luka Doncic, I uh, made sure to correct myself when he started to prove me wrong that he was very much so capable of playing in this league and that he was obviously going to be one of the best uh, to do it, one of the best young guys to do it so far. That being said, I have to come to the uh, Boston Celtics, who I wrote off just about a week or so ago um, in the midst of their their kind of slumping ways. And that, as they were sitting at 500, they're now uh, four straight games after I wrote that. So, I, listen, Boston fans, I'm not saying that it's my fault or you should thank me, but you're welcome. Just putting that out there into the ether, just so you know. I did I did write that they um, were wondering what's the point because they were struggling Um Kimball Walker didn't seem to be, I'm sorry, five straight wins. I apologize, five straight wins because they'd fallen a game below and then they, they ended up coming back up. So uh, point being, they are on a tear right now and they they had a game against the Los Angeles Lakers backups because LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the newly acquired Andre Drummond are still out. And honestly, Boston better hope that they blow teams out completely because if there's any game where there's, those backups have to play, they could be in trouble. Um, they had a 27-point lead in the fourth quarter, only to find that they had to bring the starters back in because the Lakers' backups, again, and this is like the backup backups, had gotten the deficit down to five points. So, yeah, this is kind of a backhanded compliment because, you know, I did just say that I've given me a couple, but damn it if that bench ain't weak and, and very, very suspect. Listen, I, I got to say, I had a, a parlay on this, and uh, I ended up hitting, it ended up coming through, which is great, but... I shouldn't have had to sweat uh, a, a game where they had a 27-point lead if I was going to end up getting my money. Just saying. Just, I, I mean, good grief, man. I was, I was kicked back. I was worried because the other leg was the Phoenix and uh, Sacramento game. And that one was the one I was worried about because, you know, late, nobody's watching, playing down. You could just overlook this team in Phoenix's case. They didn't. They took care of business. Devin, Devin Booker, uh, I had him for three plus threes. He hit all three. Usually doesn't do that kind of thing. He did it that night, though. Last night, though, that was great. Um, and then on this one, I had Jalen uh, Brown at 25-plus points and a W. And the 25-plus points, he got damn near in the first half. He was he coasted to that part. 
And I thought they were going to coast to the win. And I, I mean, I watched the rest of the, the Sacramento Phoenix game. And then I turned back to the Boston game. Like, whoa, hold on, fam. I had to do, maybe you've seen that meme where the guy's talking about, he's sitting there playing the game. They say, when you get serious, you sit up. That was me in bed watching this game and my money almost going down the drain. And of course, there was no cash out opportunities there. Just had to share that story. But the point of this is that Boston is on quite a tear right now. Uh, and is is again making me eat my words, and they're they're doing it against some pretty pretty good teams aside from the Lakers B team. They've uh they beat the Knicks, who while they're not great like they like we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year, they're still a very strong uh, formidable opponent. They beat the Timberwolves that one went into overtime, uh, but they they 145 points that game. They beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver. They beat the Portland Trailblazers in Portland, and then of course the Lakers, like I said, uh, in L.A. So a three game road trip they swept. And now they take on the Warriors, who they should beat too, because, I mean, for all the ability that Steph has, it's still really just one guy most nights against an entire team. Had to share that bit, though. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm very, if this is going to be the anti-hot take sports show that it is, I have to be willing to uh, admit my mistakes. And this one might have been, I might have called it too soon. I might have put the toe tag on a smidgen too soon. We'll see. I ultimately believe, though, they'll still fall short, uh, but they have definitely been motivated the past few games, so can't knock them for that. In less than uh, exciting news, the Jamal Murray, try that again. In less than exciting news, Jamal Murray tore his ACL um, out for the season, and it brought up a conversation about the condensed schedule that the NBA is going through. Seventy-two games in not very much time. They started what a month or so after the uh, last season ended, and you've seen a rash of injuries. Not the least of not the least of which has been Murray's. And so people are wondering if the condensed schedule is why you're seeing so many injuries happening and, you know, saying that this is this is on the league and they only care about money and they didn't care about the players and looking at guys resting differently. And here's my take on it. First of all, I think it plays a part, but I will also say that while the more there are more games, how many players have adjusted their their maintenance routine for themselves? How many of them have adjusted how they take care of their bodies in between games and practices. How many guys have upped the amount of money that they're spending on themselves because they know they have to recover quicker. You have to get back. You have to get back uh, uh, sooner than you would a normal schedule. So I'm not going to put it all on the uh, on the the schedule just because I know. First of all, there weren't a lot of guys who were doing it beforehand, or there was enough to where you could you could question it. So I'm I'm sure that it's the same thing now. Secondly, the players' association agreed to these terms. Now. We give the NBA PA credit for being one of the strongest uh, unions out there because the players pretty much run the league and, you know, what the players want, the players get. And if we look at it through that lens, then damn it, this is pretty much the players' fault. Now, I'm not going to go that far because we know where the where the origins of the deal came from, but we can't act like they were just unwilling participants in this and they had their names written down for them. They volunteered. They agreed. And so... Yes, the schedule is condensed and it's definitely affecting it, but how many of these players have adjusted and they knew the risk when they signed on? This is why you had the top guys talking about, nah, nah, I don't think we should do that. Not now, not that, not this fast. And so then the focus becomes players resting. And while I, I, I get it, and, and maybe Murray's case specifically, rest would have been best because in that game he had been uh, flexing his hip and grabbing at his leg. You know, he was dealing with a knee injury. He had missed time earlier in the year. So maybe if you see that as a coach, you pull that guy a little sooner now, um, knowing how the schedule is playing out, you want to keep him healthy. You've seen Kevin Durant and those guys up in Brooklyn. They're not playing. And everybody keeps saying, oh, they're going to be hurt. They're going to be hurt. 
they they're gonna get right like a week or so before the playoffs start, and then you're gonna see everybody, and then you're gonna be like, oh damn, they're all here. So don't be don't be worried about them. Um, but everybody else kind of needs this time, so it's kind of hard to find that balance between resting guys, making sure they're in the flow of things. If they're not one of the all the upper upper echelon elite great players in the in the NBA. Where, where where is that balance? Is it a minutes thing? Is it is it literally a rest day thing? That's why I go back to the player maintenance thing in between. Not everything can be what the team is doing for you. What are you doing for you? I'm not saying they're not. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that everybody's not even the majority. But there is enough there that we knew about beforehand, right? That we heard rumors of beforehand, guys not wanting to get in the gym, to legitimately say now, well, okay, this is something that we have to probably wonder: Are you doing enough in your own downtime to maintain your body? Like, you're sp- look, we we commend LeBron for his maintenance of his body. What million plus a year? Probably up higher than that now. So, if you're going to commend somebody for doing it, I won't say you necessarily condemn the other side for not doing it, but you definitely have to look at it. Through, view all the the health related issues through that lens. What are you doing on your own time to maintain your level of performance, your body, your your work, uh, uh your work utensil? I, I don't know your tool, your tool. You you are your tool. So what are you doing to maintain that? That's my only question. And now, again, Jamal Murray is a specific case because I do believe that uh he might have benefited from being pulled earlier because, like I said, he was grabbing at that knee and flexing out his hip the entire game. So maybe that's one unique instance. Um, Damian Lillard, I've been seeing him grabbing at his knees, been getting his knees knocked into a few games that I've been watching the past few weeks. So maybe he's a guy who could, you know, benefit from some downtime. But how do you find that balance between getting your guys healthy and making hay, making ground in a very, very tight playoff race? Nobody wants to do that 7, 8, 9, 10 play on tournament crap. You want to you be able to coast for a little bit, right? So, what's the balance? Jamal Murray was being a good soldier playing every game. He should have sat. He should have sat himself. You got to save players from themselves. Blah, blah, blah. All those, all the cliches. But where is the balance? Like, there's just, there is no perfect balance. And so, it's tragic. I, I know that we, uh, everybody hates to see injuries. Nobody likes to see this crap. That's, it sucks. But I don't think that we're going to be able to find blame because everybody's culpable. And yet, there's no right answer here. That's that's just ultimately where I landed. There's just there's just really no right answer. Lamarcus Aldridge. Speaking of injuries, Lamarcus Aldridge, Brooklyn Nets big man, uh, retired rather abruptly after briefly joining the Nets. Remember he had the buyout with San Antonio, uh, joined Brooklyn. Everybody was up in arms, but he experienced an irregular heartbeat. Uh, I believe for the second time in his career. But this one, he said uh, he played with an irregular heartbeat, and then after the game, it got worse. And so he decided to do what's best for his family and step away. Um, very, very heartfelt, uh, thought out statement that he shared on social media. But I, I, I was stuck when he, when I read that he played through it and then experienced it getting worse. Because I thought that he had just, you know, after the game, he started feeling funny and that's when it happened. My man felt it and still played and then went through. Now, maybe it was just a cynic in me. Uh, but I did a preemptive strike when people are going to troll this guy for retiring and talk about he's quitting in Brooklyn, this, that, and the third. Um, I've seen some people talk about how other teams dodge a bullet by not getting him. And I just like, man, we are we are really that far gone as a society where 
our first thought, maybe that's not the first thought, but the first thing that we express is gratitude that, that, that your team didn't pick that player up and not uh, gratitude that the player didn't collapse and die on the floor. I, 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 I again, um, I, 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 that's a scary thing. You're in a regular heartbeat. How did he get on the floor? There's no, there's, there's no, what kind of pregame checkups are happening? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to get a whole full physical, but I would think they would want some vital signs before guys step on the floor. No, am I, 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 they should. That, that feels like they're testing. You're testing them every day, right? Every two minutes. Why wouldn't you test their vitals like that too? How did he play an entire game that way? Now, I'm not saying the outcome would have changed. Maybe he still retires. But he played a game that way? Holy crap. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And like having the, and then say, you know what? We're going to go play this game and we're going to see, uh, see how it goes after that. If you recall, there's been, this happened, this has, this has affected several players um, throughout NBA history. And most recently, you had Jeff Green, who actually missed a season or two um, due to his issue. So this is not anything to play with. Like, again, for him to say he missed a season uh, in the 2011-2012 the season, Jeff Green did. This is not something that you just say, like, I, again, I'm taken aback by his, I, I played through it, and then it was bad. And then I was like, nah, I can't do this. I'm sorry, you did what? And then what? Kudos, hats off, great career. Uh, five, seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, if I have that correct. I might have those numbers backwards, but a very good career. Um, hate to see it. I don't think that this, this really hurts Brooklyn's title chances. You know, got to mention that, but hate to see somebody have to retire under these type of circumstances. Uh, you heard, we talked about that clip of MJ uh, speaking at Kobe Bryant's funeral. Here's a little bit more of that real quick. Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the next. I told my wife I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to see that for the next three or four years. That is what Kobe Bryant does to me. I'm pretty sure Vanessa and his friends all can say the same thing. He knows how to get to you in a way that affects you personally, even though if he's being a pain in the ass. But it sh he always, you ever have a sense of love for him and the way that he can bring out the best in you. And he did that for me. And I play that because um, it was announced that uh, Michael Jordan will be announced, will be presenting the late Kobe Bryant uh, at his Hall of Fame enshrinement. And many people have wondered why Mike over Kobe's wife, over Powell, over Shaq, over some other people. And I honestly wonder if anybody and this is so weird to go back this direction. But if, did you watch The Last Dance in a movie? where Mike was criticized for focusing so heavily on himself, there was a very, very deliberate effort to show his affinity for Kobe Bryant. That was clear. I think everybody walked away from, from that docuseries feeling that there was a, a, a deep mutual respect for each other. And you've heard Kobe talk about how 
he got his game from Mike, and without Mike, there wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be who he was. So I understand why they would pick Mike. And then you say, okay, why why over the others? We've heard from from the others a lot. And when particularly when they ask, they ask why not his wife. And the only thing I could think of would be there has to be a point in time where in situations that are supposed to be joyous, you no longer want to force yourself to get sad. And what I mean by that is I'm sure she she loves to think about him. I'm sure she loves to speak about him. But to get up there in front of people in one of these great moments where he's being celebrated and to have to remember that he's no longer there with you. Like that has to just be terrible to have to go through. And I can't imagine wanting to again as she moves further away from the actual event. I'm not saying she's forgotten. I'm just saying at some point you probably get tired of making yourself sad. And I understand that. As for the other guys for Powell and them, that would be good, good choices too. I'm not sure how well they speak, but I'm sure they would have been good choices. But for his Hall of Fame enshrinement, for his Hall of Fame enshrinement, I think that this is a, a perfect choice because basketball, we have saw their basketball relationship and how much they meant to each other. So I don't have an issue with, again, I don't have an issue with anybody else having an issue with it. I just, that's my point of view and why I think it makes perfect sense and why I could see why it wouldn't be um, particularly Vanessa. Um, he won't be the only one. There'll be some other uh, some other inductees. Uh, Tim Duncan will be inducted by David Robinson, Kevin Garnett by Isaiah Thomas, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, Calvin Murphy, and Hakeem Olajuwon, um, and the list goes on and on. So there's there's a few that I have some special uh, presenters, but that one, of course, is the top because we all know, uh, we all know now what their connection was. Zach Levine, Bulls guard, has entered the uh, health and safety protocols. I'm not sure if this is him testing positive or he was a close contact. Whatever the case may be, he's going to be gone at least a week, possibly up to two weeks. And basically, what I'm saying is the Bulls season is all the way sunk. Now they were already on the downtrend because they have been on the four game skid. They have been awful since getting uh, Nikola Vucevic in that big trade. That's kind of what you expect when you switch up your roster such big ways and you you hurt some feelings because guys were almost traded, but it didn't happen. Um, and so and guys' roles change, get relegated to the bench and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Zach Levine being out now pretty much ruins any chance that they had of coming back um, and, and making a shot at that play play-in tournament in the 10 spot now. The problem is they don't have their first-round pick. They gave that to the Orlando Magic for Vucevic if it falls from pick five until the end of draft. So, Bulls fans, at this point, you have to be hoping. You have to be hoping that that pick comes to the top and that they just lose. There's going to be, they're going to lose, but you hope that they lose. <laughs> they Not necessarily lose worse in any particular game, there, but they just got to lose. It's got to be ugly. And... You might want to wait for Zach to come back. There's only 20 games left. He comes back and he's talking about, oh, I'm a little winded from the COVID, you know? Like, I'm not trying to make light of COVID. I'm telling you, basketball-wise, at this point, dude, you're sunk. You were already clinging by a thread. Washington was on your heels. You're clinging by a thread. Only way, only way out to fix this is to get that draft pick. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I wrote the article... Uh, for the Bulls, that they have no answers when their shots aren't falling. And that's, I think, what we saw against Memphis as, as they play Memphis uh, on Friday night. Again, as a second time in three nights. Or three, se- third, second time in four nights, whatever. Second time this week. <laughs> um, when their shots aren't falling, they don't do anything else well. First of all, they can't, they can't 
get easy baskets because they don't learn they don't know how to set up their offense properly consistently. So they can't get into a set to feed the to dump into the post. You're not getting a lot of pick and roll action at the top when they when they really could use it the most. It's really strange. Now maybe this is on the coach, and we could talk about that. I wrote about that in the article. Um, again, that the Bulls have no recourse. There's no other alternative when their when their shots aren't falling. They have no answers when their shots don't fall. PippinAndEasy.com. But they don't they don't run simple offense to get an easy bucket. They they. They can't bring in a, a you know lights out knock them down shooter. They don't have that guy. That I'm talking about the the, the Zach is offense and and Vooch is off, but who's the instant offense spark plug? It was Kobe. That spark looks gone. It's it's looked gone. Maybe you see it come back and tonight or on uh, Friday against the Grizzlies, but it hasn't looked good this year. They don't play defense. They don't play defense at all. And I see people keep saying, they just got to play defense. You got to play a little tougher. You got to play harder. Fam, at this point, if they're not playing defense, if getting your if if getting your your derriere kicked by the Orlando Magic doesn't make you play tougher, right? If, if going into that game didn't have you fired up to, to shut stuff down, if going into it with a three-game skid against a bottom feeder uh, uh, that has a player that you traded away because he wasn't good enough, you let them come in. You let him get a double-double on you, and you are you serious? Now, I was critical of Zach in that game because he he went an entire third quarter without attempting a shot, and maybe he's still injured, and that's where this you know this this uh, absence will play in too. Maybe that's part of it as well. But I mean, this has been bad. So they don't play defense. They don't simplify the offense. They don't have a knockdown spark plug uh, offensive player that they can call in. What else do you do but score points when you're when you when you can score points? I'm not mad that the offense flounders. Offense is flounder from game. That happens in a in a over the course of a regular season in NBA. You're gonna have nights when your shots just aren't falling. What else are you doing to 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 ease the burden on that? Nothing. Nothing. Some teams play defense. Some teams simplify the offense. The Bulls fold. It's really getting sad. Switching gears. <laughs> Jadavian Clowney is signing a deal to join the Cleveland Browns. Clowney is a brownie. Now, this is something that we speculated on a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, I love it. I love it. I know everybody's going to say, oh, Clowney's been a boss. He hasn't done anything. He blah, blah, blah. When has Clowney not been expected to be the primary pass rush threat? And I mean, like, not even close to being expected to be that in Cleveland. I'll, I'll do you one better. Even if he wasn't expected to be be that somewhere else, maybe you say Tennessee, he wasn't expected to be the man like that. I kind of think he was, but whatever. When has he been played next to a guy like Davian Clown or like uh, Miles Garrett? Has he ever played opposite of anybody by Miles Garrett or like Miles Garrett? I'll tell you the answer real quick. No, he hasn't. So you're not asking him. I told you. I told you. You're not asking him to be Batman. You're asking him to be Nightwing. Not even Robin, right? He could be better than Robin. I think he's better than Robin. I think. I think. This this role will make him look better than a Robin. Maybe he hasn't performed better than a Robin recently. But I think in this role, he'll be freed up to perform like a Nightwing. Not Batman. He's not taking over games. Or, or he's not necessarily going to be the dominant guy. But he might win you a game or so. He might take over a couple of series or so. He might own a team or so. I could see that. This is a great, great fit. And it's a, a one-year deal. Like, dude. Now, I will say this. He has been extremely disappointing. But I just can't see him playing next to Miles Garrett and all the attention he's going to garner 
And their tackles aren't slouches either. Ogan Joby, those guys aren't slouches. So, man, this is the best situation for him. And, and don't be surprised if you see David Clowney look closer to the guy we thought he could be coming into the draft or coming into the NFL out of the draft, out of uh, South Carolina. Remember, he's really only famous off of that one big hit on the Michigan running back. I always want to say it's Donard Robinson, but I don't think it was him. I always get that wrong. So I won't, I won't, I won't even try to make uh, myself sound foolish. NBA or NBA. Wow. Players around the NFL have uh, begun informing teams that they are not going to be showing for OTAs. As we know that they've gone, the NFL has gone to a 17 game uh, regular season schedule. Players are skipping out of OTAs for unnecessary risk. Even though most teams have said it's going to be all virtual players are like, well, then there's no point. Um, Several teams, I believe at least half the teams around the league have already said they're not going to be going. Um, You're still waiting on some of the top dogs. I think we're still waiting on the Patriots to see what they ultimately say. Here's, here's, here's the bottom line. If players are going to start mobilizing like this and unifying in their message and what they're trying to get accomplished, you could see the NFL go towards the way of the NBA in terms of contract guarantees um, and more player friendly deals in terms of lifetime health care and all that kind of like, how are you not, how are you signing up for CTE and the person who's asking you to do so isn't offering you lifetime health care? I, I, I know I get it. Companies are trying to underwrite it, but I mean, you would think that that'd be something they could get. Very surprising. We'll we'll keep an eye on it. I I find we know how they get when gang checks and, and money starts coming out of the pocket. That's the, that's always been the NFL's uh, bane of its existence, or the Players Association is the the money. If they could if they could figure out a way to get this money right, if they're going to show that they can unify, look out. You could have a much stronger NFL players union. I doubt it because they always there's always a fold. But this is probably their best chance in some time to actually make some some real headway uh, in terms of. Not, no, they're not going to get enough because they, they just did the CBA. But this is what you got to show. Show that you can have unity because they never do. They never do. That's been their problem. The NFLPA doesn't even damn near work for them. It works for the NFL. It's just trying to make it as acceptable for the players as possible. So this is a big step. If they can figure this out, man. Hats off to him because this has been a long time coming. Aaron Donald is getting sued uh, for decking a guy and blacking his eye out. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay for Aaron Donald to go and punch people. I'm not saying that it's okay for anybody to go and punch people. What I am saying is stop talking. Um, this this is a shiner. The dude that put the picture out is is shine. It's a shiner. Like he's his eyeball is swollen and. Yeah, he was being accused of fighting him, and according to his lawyer, he's actually the one to save him from getting whooped even worse. We'll see what comes of it, but if you see the video, I, I saw it, and I said, this has to be a money grab, because I can't imagine this happening, and I want to put this out there like that. Because you see Aaron Donald, you you I, maybe you don't recognize him, right? But he's not a little guy. So, like, I just, mind your business. Mind your manners, mind your P's and Q's. You never know. First of all, it shouldn't matter what they look like physically, because you don't know what anybody's holding uh, on their person and inside. So that's that's a dangerous combination in and of itself. But I mean, I, I just I don't I don't see me getting the shiner and then broadcasting it like this to the world so that he all know uh, that uh, yeah I mean <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Aaron Donald's gonna be fine. Um, but this is not a good uh, off season for players and attorneys. Watson, Deshaun Watson, as we switch over to another player who's in the legal system. Uh, Twenty of his accusers made their names public. One withdrew her case for now, but another one was added and. I honestly don't know what the 
benefit of this was other than to try to offer them some more money directly. I think maybe they tried to go through the attorney and it didn't work. Now they're going to try to go personal. This is bad. Like I said, man, the problem that they've had is that the other side has been able to work this thing in the public and they tried, uh, quote unquote, to work this through the legal system. We know how that plays out in this country. <laughs> and so if you were innocent, man, you should have been on some kind of offensive to prove. So I know it's a tough uh, task in and of itself, but this is not the way to go because people are are already making up their minds. They've already made up their minds. You wouldn't believe how many he's done. He's done. He's done takes I've seen. It's kind of crazy. And while I'm a person who's definitely on the side of like, wow, he's at the very least, he's got, he's got a, a real problem with how he handles his personal life. And at worst, he's a sick individual. I'm also seeing all these responses. And I'm kind of like, man, I really hope he didn't do it so that I can go back and be like, man, this you? Is this you? The, the, the he's done is probably my favorite. Because we've seen a lot of stuff get swept under the rug. And we've seen that talent can sometimes overcome stuff. Now, this is, this is, all, this is all civil stuff. None of this is criminal. You think a team's not going to touch a talented individual like that? Done? Okay. And I, and I finally figured out the angle where we all talk about this is an inside job and this is the Texans doing this. Why would they do it? I figured it out. You you kill that trade value? I'm not I'm not cracking the case here. I'm just telling you. I think it, it finally makes sense to me now at this point that they're just sinking that value. He can't do anything. He can't go anywhere. His character's killed. Again, this is not about proving him innocent or guilty. This is about public opinion. Public opinion is that he's not a good guy. And he worked a long time building up that reputation. And it's gone. It's gone. No matter what comes out of this court case, that reputation is gone. That mystique is gone. We know now that he's been out here at massage parlors getting a little extra. Sometimes, apparently, reportedly, according to his accusers, sometimes uh, against their will. Or, or, or uh, uh, I don't want to say by force, but... With via coercion. Coercion. I feel like I said that wrong. Anyway. It's 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 it, it's tough. This is tough, man. Like I said, you you let all this happen and here you are. And good luck trying to figure out uh if if good luck getting any of that reputation back. It's it's always hard. Ask Kobe. Ask Kobe what it was like getting accused of rape. I talked I talked about this with somebody the other day. Kobe got accused of that rape, and the league spent the rest of their time trying to make sure that he wouldn't be the official face of the NBA. The Chris Paul, Chris Paul veto? Come on, fam. You think if they loved Kobe in the NBA, they wouldn't let that trade go through? I don't care what David Stern was doing, man. He would have let that trade go through. If they liked Kobe, they might have liked him at the end, but there was a brief period there where they did not want to touch him, and then they would never let him be the official face because he had that in his past. I will I will forever believe that. So I think this is something similar here where Watson, no matter what comes out of this legal case, bro, your your reputation has taken such a hit. And again, at the best, you're out here reckless doing your personal stuff. At best. Not good. Close out with this one. Matt Nagy was at Justin Fields Pro Day, and I wrote for Last Runner Pro Football that um, this could be everything. But it could also be nothing. And what I mean is, I don't think that he goes there for nothing. I don't think that he went out there just to to uh, show face. Because they've been at pretty much every pro day of, of note. But also, how prominent Nagy was in his pictures. He's right next to Kyle Shanahan. 
I think he was by himself, but it's clear. You know what I mean? Like he was visible. You don't go unless you think you have a shot at that player. Now he could go three, but if he doesn't go three, the fall could be on. The Bears could jump up to 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 uh, eight with Carolina. They could move in front of Denver that way. They could maybe they move up and uh, with Cincinnati and get five and get in front of Detroit because you don't know what Detroit's going to do there at six. There's so many variables that I can't see this being a smokescreen because we've heard fields slide. We know the Bears have the ammo to move up up an amount. It's just a question about how much risk versus reward. If you can move up and only give up two first-round picks instead of three for Fields, I'm okay with that. I'm not giving up three for any of those guys. I'm I'm, I'm not doing it. Not for a rookie because you need to put pieces around. But two, I can deal with two because you're not going to – you can find stuff in the other draft, especially if you get a a mid-round pick back with that trade. You can do that. Moral of the story is I don't think this was just nothing. I don't see Matt Nagy racing his time to go there. Now. Is it because he likes Fields? Or is it because he wants to see what Kyle Shanahan's interest is in Fields? Maybe the Bears aren't trading up. Maybe they're just, you know, trying to see if he's going to be there after that. Maybe they're trying to see if they'll have a shot at him later on and they don't have to move up for him. I don't know. I just know that this is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's fluff. I don't think it's a smokescreen. I know I put that's what the I had a lot of people. It's funny because in within five minutes I had three different comments on the on the post, and it was I hope it's a smokescreen. It was uh, 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 a, a huge waste of resources for a smokescreen, and uh, please God no, like it was just it was just every which way, and that's exactly the point that I was trying to get across is that we don't know, but in there, I say I don't think it's nothing. It's something. I'm not sure what that something is, but it was definitely something. We'll see what comes up. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Through the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, read the stuff. Last word on pro football, pippinandeasy.com, and of course, clockersports.com. And you can also follow the pod at 30s Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And until the very next time, I took great pride as I got to know Kobe Bryant that he was just trying to be a better person.